We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit if she wished. Mine! It's with the ancestors! I'm yeah, sorry, drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I don't think we have enough hot dogs. And my name is Colin Drucker, and still smoky. <laughs> still smoky. Still smoky. Still smoky. <laughs> like, I gotta tell uh, you, the second time, this is my second time I watched it, and I laughed probably about 50% more than I did the first time. I'm like, maybe it is a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, because it, it, watching it the second time, I was like, oh, I need to just keep watching this movie. There's just like layers to this movie. And, but from the first time I ever saw it, the moment she went, still smoky, I was like, and rattle. Like, and I can't stop saying it. The gay whistle tones, they've returned. I I watched it, I, I just said I watched it twice. The first time I watched this, I didn't know how to feel. I think I talked about it very briefly on the podcast because you had not seen it yet. I felt like, it, I think I remember saying, like, I felt this movie was too smart for me or there was something that I wasn't picking up on because everyone loved it so much. And I, I really latched on to Charles Melton, of course, and I love these two women, but I it didn't, like, click and then this time watching it around, I was like, I get it. I'm in. This is one of the best movies of the year. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. And of course, folks, after just a little bit of a vacation and a little bit of a sick day, uh, we are back. We are kicking off January with May-December. 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 I don't think we have enough hot dogs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean... It's such an obvious uh, intro line, but that's one of the first, I think that was where I first, even the first time watching it too, where I was like, okay, I love that. And I want to know everything about that choice. I want to know why that was like such a dramatic moment. We'll talk about the score, of course, but I laughed so hard the second time, even though I knew it was coming. It, it's such a specific moment that like, it's, it works out of context. It works in context. It kind of, to me, it feels like when Dorothy opens the door into the Technicolor of Oz. It's yes. like, oh, we're in this movie, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's when um, you're seeing a play and you don't know whether or not to laugh. And that mm -hmm. was the first, it's like the permission to sort of like, because there isn't like so many campy moments in this movie and it doesn't seem like there should be but there is and maybe that's what makes it so balanced because this is like some heavy shit and I think without those moments it could have been a different movie not necessarily a worse movie but I'm so glad that these moments are there yeah I mean I think that, that I really appreciated that the second time around that like May December is 
it's such a sad story. And, you know, I mean, in so many ways and not just uh, with with Gracie and um, Charles Melton, Elizabeth and oh, but uh, Joe, but just like obviously like, you know, this this relationship, you know, and and kind of those moments of like him having this sort of awakening of like, hmm maybe I was too young, but like, like there's that sad relationship. But then there's also what I realized the second time with Elizabeth was like, Oh, she's a monster. Oh, she's also a monster. And like, I, I I don't know. I just like, all of that was so kind of, yeah, it could have been so heavy, but I feel like then kind of putting this, this weird campy frame on it, putting this lifetime TV movie feeling to it. It just was like, I don't know. It was like wearing jeans and high heels. It was like, oh, what a combination. <laughs> jeans and high heels. Dan you know? Marino jersey and white jeans. Yeah. yeah, something classy. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think I paid a little bit more attention to Elizabeth, a.k.a. Natalie Portman, in this, in this viewing. Because I think Julianne... There's a lot to talk about with all three of them, really, at the core of this movie. But I I really like Natalie Portman. Like, I... This is like a deep tease for the after show, folks. But I watched The Holdovers, and I know Divine Joy Randolph is getting a whole bunch of buzz and might even probably win it, followed by maybe Danielle Brooks is next in line. But I'm... I wish Natalie Portman was getting more buzz for this because I think it's exceptional work, and it's like very grounded sort of subtle work in ways like you said it's like you don't quite know that she's a monster but once you do it's like i would love to even go back and watch it again a third time and pay even more attention to her because she's fucking great they're all great she is you know it was so interesting like watching her this like the second time around and just like yeah just kind of like seeing the layers of her there were so many moments and i wondered if it was intentional where here she is trying to kind of like transform into Gracie. And of course, Gracie being played by Julianne Moore. So in a way it's Natalie Portman trying to transform into Julianne Moore. But there were so many moments where Natalie Portman, it looked like she was, she was like, it looked like Julia Roberts. I was like, that is Julia Roberts, like circa 2003. And of course they were in closer together. So that's like an interesting connection, but like, there was that thing of like, Oh wow. Because of who I'm seeing, it's like I'm watching Natalie Portman play a version of Julianne Roberts, Julia Roberts, Julianne Roberts, who am I, Um, (laughs) playing a version of Julia Roberts, trying to play a version of this woman, Gracie, who is a version of Mary Kay Letourneau. Like, it's so many layers. Yeah. And I think the one thing I caught, and I'm sure you caught it this time around, if not the first time, is that there are, it's like... Blink and you miss it, but there are times where she even tries out a, a little bit of a lisp in front of Gracie. Mm. Did you catch that? I, I, I didn't. Any, I didn't write it down, but I was like, "Whoa!" I definitely noticed when she did certain, like she would like purse her lips in a similar way, or she yes. would hold her chin in a certain way, and there were like moments where it was like, "Oh wow!" And I think I had read that Julianne Moore didn't even know that Natalie Portman was doing that and didn't yep. like see any of that until she saw the movie, but like. Yeah, throughout it, like the way in which in very unobvious ways, I mean, I think it's so perfect that the last thing we really see her 
take on as Gracie is really that full, the lisp and the hair color and whatnot, but it's all the other ways that she becomes her that we actually see first. And I think that's so much harder to play. Yeah, I think one of the more obvious ones, like as far as like physical sort of like diving into or trying to be Gracie is at the the graduation dress fitting thing mm -hmm. where she's like, they're sitting next to each other and they almost have the same leg cross and she's like very subtly trying to be her. But I love that like little IMDb trivia of like that Julianne Moore didn't know that that was happening. It makes it so much better and more organic. It's... I think it's like the children have forgotten about Natalie Portman a little bit. We always knew that she was great, but I'm I'm so glad to see her. I don't want to say at the top of her game because she's always great, but like this is this is really juicy and like really showy for her in a very subtle way, which is even more exciting. Yeah, it's not like she's playing a monster to 27. Like it's so subtle. It's so. I mean, I think it's it's such a good performance. And then she has the monologue of the letter towards the end. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you yes. kidding me? Because if you think are about you that, too, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, who are you to get me wet? It, it's yes. just like, it's the idea of like, again, these layers where it's Natalie Portman has to play Elizabeth, the actress, taking the the letter as a script and turning it into a monologue, including having moments of crying and breaking down and her voice getting caught. Like it's like, there's so many layers to that. It's not just like Natalie Portman's character getting upset. It's a performance of a performance. I, it, I just think, and I, and you can tell by watching it, you can see her playing the layers. And it, I was like, wow, Natalie Portman, you know, yeah. why are we, where are we? Why are we not, you know, every day we should be saying your name just so that somebody says it. Yeah, I think she's one of our greats. And I, I know that, like, I feel like I read an article or something. I mean, and every time I say an article, like, watch the TikTok or watch the YouTube video about how she kind of, it's not that she gave up acting, but she was just like, all right, I got the Oscar. I had it, like, I think, she, you know, she was pregnant with her first child when she had her Oscar. I think it was her first child. So, you know, she's being a mom, she's doing her thing. But and then she kind of just did like some like fun movies, for lack of a better word. I feel like she was in like something with like Seth Rogen and James Franco or something, some weird action kooky movie. But I and I, I know there's probably like one big movie that I'm like forgetting that she was in or maybe like, has she done TV? I don't well, think let's so. see. She has yeah, done. I'm going to take, take a, a look, look at the last see. 10 years. Here. Take a look at, yeah. <laughs> let's see what, what our little friend's been doing. So anyway, once. OK, so she won the Oscar for, you know, Black Swan way back in 2010. And oh, she she was in No Strings Attached. I think that was a bit of a fun one. She uh, I think she got into the Marvel world. She was in Thor. She oh. was in Thor, the Dark World. She was in uh oh well she was in jackie that's the big one you're forgetting she was in jackie oh, yeah. in 20, yes, 2016 yes, yes. Oh um, my gosh, which i saw I but i would mm -hmm. see that again i don't remember loving it but maybe i was a different person um mm -hmm. and then you know horror movie fans love this movie annihilation that she was in um which oh, also cool. includes the world's worst actress no not andy mcdowell jennifer jason lee uh <laughs> But then she was in Avengers Endgame and well, she was, she did, she, uh, she did do one episode of Bluey, 
where she played the whale Aww. Daco narrator in 2021. So that may be I kinda love that. the TV you were thinking of. And uh, then, of course, she was in Thor Love and Thunder. And, you know, those movies, I hope she just sits in front of a green screen and collects a check, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we had a little refresher. I totally forgot about Jackie. I did not see that. I know she kind of hopped into the Academy Award season that year. Glad to see it. Um, and here we are. And here we are. Yeah, there was, I mean, again, I would see, I would see Jackie again. I remember there being one scene where it was like, oh, no. Like, obviously, like after the assassination, she gets a good, you know, she gets a lot of moments. Yeah. But I think at the time, I probably wanted it to be more histrionic and it was more artsy. So, um, yep. Jackie is probably like a sister movie to um, Spencer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. $25,000 Pyramid. We just won a Toyota. Yeah. Yeah. I love Spencer. I would totally watch that again, like any day. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that movie. I, I walked away from that being like, you know what? Everyone shut up. I loved Spencer. Yeah, yeah, Kristen Stewart, man. I oh. never thought I'd see her nominated for an Oscar. And I remember being so excited the day that she was. I was like, yeah. she got in. Our she Kristen. did it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, anyway, well, May, December. So yes. um, so anyone who doesn't know, May, December is is kind of not terribly loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau story from the 90s. Do you remember that growing up? Did that ever like orbit into your world? Uh, the short answer is no, but like, I don't remember the details, but I definitely know that name. And I think somewhere in my little noggin, like I knew that there was some sort of scandal wrapped around that. So uh, I I watched a couple TikToks, a little, a couple of interview clips with like the real Mary Kay Letourneau and, and um, like, and it's interesting now knowing that and then going back to this. So that's kind of my, it's a, it's a brief sort of familiarity with it. Yeah, it's such a like at this point it is just, you know, and and I think Elizabeth kind of says this at one point to Joe later, like the story. It's just, you know, Mary Kay Letourneau is like a shorthand now in the same way yeah. that Lorena Bobbitt is a shorthand or yes. John Benet Ramsey is a shorthand, you know? And mm -hmm. uh but of course, yeah. I mean, I think Mary Kay, she was a, a school teacher and she had an affair. I, I, I don't want to be one of those Twitter people, but I do think it's correct to amend that she like sexually assaulted a seventh grader. She did have an affair yeah. with them. Um, I do think that's yep. worth correcting. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's uh, yeah. Fair. I don't know. Like I, you know, and we, I think it's such an interesting thing that we do. That is a thing that especially with an older woman and a younger man or a, a boy in this case, where like sometimes like we all fall for that Mary Kay Letourneau narrative of like, yeah, but you know, did you see how he looked? And you know, he was very mature for his age and it's just like, mm -hmm. he was a child. Um, yes. So anyway, so she, uh, you know, uh, had sex with this kid and you know, they had, they, you know, believed they were in love and eventually she got pregnant and then, you know, went to jail. And uh, I guess they're not still together. I think they, they broke up and then I think she died. Yeah, she died um, of cancer. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is so, uh, and and of course, I mean, I I'm very curious in the same way that I would be about Joe with I think his name was Vil, uh, her mm -hmm. eventual adult husband. It's like, yes, where are you now? Who are you now? Because he's probably like, what, ten years older than us? You know what I mean? Like he's probably in his forties yeah. now. Yeah, I think so. Because this took place in like. 2015 i mean granted it's probably not mm -hmm. the same timeline but he was like 36 or around that age i think like elizabeth says like we're the same age like it seems like they should be together and not mm -hmm. he and uh 
and Gracie. Yeah, and I think that, like, just that feeling of, you know, even watching this and, like, being older than Joe and being like, oh, my God, like, what a baby. You're 36 years old. You've got your whole life ahead of you. And, like, what a crazy notion to now be, like, the dad of two kids that you're sending off to college. Oh, God. I love the costuming of Joe. Like, I think it's, like, pitch perfect. Like, he's kind of, like, hot dad at the grill at first. But those khakis, it's just, like, perfect costuming for me. It's, like, this kid in you know, wearing his dad's boots that are three sizes or like 10 sizes too big, you know, like as a kid, it's so interesting and perfect. Yeah. He, there is a sort of like arrested development to the way that he dresses a lot of hoodies, a lot of kind of like slouchy things, but it, it yeah. Or it looks like a kid wearing his dad's clothes sometimes. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, let, let us, let us talk about King Charles Melton. Oh, Gosh. King at the Westons. I mean, the the clothes are perfect and the man is perfect. The fact that he gained those 40 pounds, don't you lose an ounce of them, Chuck. I was just going to say that belly. I wrote it in like all caps and bolded it after the him and uh, Elizabeth have sex. I was like, whoa. Oh, I was like, that's it. Like someone needs to do like, I get it. Jacob Elordi in a bathtub and even Barry Keon dancing around at the end of that assault burn. But no, the male ideal, as far as I'm concerned, is Charles Melton in the bed, in his boxer shorts, and that belly. <laughs> yeah. And that belly. Uh, just like drinking a Miller Lite or something. Uh, Love it. I mean, and he is... So, you know, I mean, as much as, like, we're going to talk about everybody and, and just incredible performances all around. I mean, he is just so fucking good in this movie. And yeah, I am like codependent for Joe. I just want to like yeah. protect him and obviously have sex with him. Um, but that's codependence for you, baby. You know, one, you can't have one without the other. Right. Um, yeah. I'm just in love. I just, I have never seen him before. I was not a Riverdale person. Yes, I um I don't know why I feel like I'm not allowed to lust after him. He's not a 13-year-old even in the movie. He's 40, but uh you know, there's something kind of broken about him and you know, that's hot. Yeah, I think it's a testament just to his performance too because he's so inside himself. It's like he's just like this I guess like I mean, I love all the monarch butterfly like just like that sort of what that means and like him protecting all those butterflies and like protecting them. So they have a chance to grow is I think how he, he words mm -hmm. it too. And just like how he and Gracie sort of interact and how she's kind of just like his mom. And I hate how she calls him like, calls them his bugs. Like, can you move your bugs? I, I like every time she said that I was like, you leave him alone. Like you yeah. just want to protect him. Yeah. Like he's, he just seems so, I mean, uh, harmless. Like, I can't imagine him getting mm -hmm. mad at anybody. I can't imagine. I guess that's why I love him, because I can't imagine him yelling at me. So I'm like, perfect. Done. Um, yeah. He he just seems like, yeah, like just a sweetie. But I, I think at the same time, it is the sense of like, it, it's beyond just being attracted to him. It's like, oh, my God, I just want to, like, sneak you out of here in the dark of night and, like, help you start over somewhere else in the country with a new name. I just I just want to save you, you know? Yeah, because I think that's why he has such a hard time, like, obviously for standing up to Gracie and really kind of saying, 
I mean, we'll get to that bedroom scene too. It's just like, I don't think anyone has ever really seen him or checked in with him. Even when Elizabeth says, like, I guess it's, I think it was like the first time he was, she was helping him move the the butterflies yep. and he's kind of explaining and she's like, that's fascinating. And whether or not she was genuine or not, the way that he looked at her, it's like no one has ever told him that. And I, my heart just like melted. I'm just like, oh, Joe, you just need someone to like, I almost said like love you because I don't know like it's such an interesting version of love what they have now at this point like Joe and Gracie that we are tapping into. Yeah, well, and and then in comparison, then it's like I totally get that vibe of like she's she's acting like his mother, and then you look at his relationship with their kids with uh, Charlie and Mary, and I feel like they interact with him like he's an older brother, and yeah. I feel like they are. A, one of the things I loved about this movie, no petulant teenagers. I thought the two of them were a delight. I loved yeah. Mary and Charlie. I thought they were just so good. Uh, and the performances were great. But I I loved that, like, they, it seemed like they were very gentle with him as well, in a way. Yeah, like, what a, I almost said weird, but, like, it's how old... He's 36, they're 18, I guess, around, like, if we're if we're using just rough numbers, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Like, it just felt like, how do you connect with someone like that, with that age gap, other than being sort of like a big brother, too? Because, like, even when I think Charlie asks to be excused from the table, he never really, he asks um, uh, Joe, he doesn't ask Gracie. Because mm -hmm. I just right. like, it's such a weird dynamic. Like, how, like, as the kids, too, like, how do they feel? It's so, there's so many layers. Well, yeah, and like, and they are at the same, in the same grade as Gracie's grandkids. <sighs> so it's like Joe and Georgie, her son, were in the same grade. And mm -hmm. now they're, her and Joe's kids are in the same grade as like, you know, uh, other, you know, um, siblings kids yeah, we see all them at that at the restaurant that one night so basically mm -hmm. it's like it's just all these like inappropriate like streams that shouldn't be crossing you know what i mean like it, it's yeah. one thing that like gracie is with joe but the idea that at one point joe and georgie were classmates it's just like oh yeah. this just is so the lack of boundaries that exist in this world and i feel like then the work that like Charlie and Mary, it's like there's the sequel. It's like Charlie and Mary and all the therapy that they're going to need getting mm -hmm. out of this house and like learning how to be their own human beings and learning what boundaries are. Yeah. And then, like, the flip side of this, too, not flip side, but just like another angle is that Joe kind of lost everyone in his life in a way once this started. And the only people that he really, the only person I will say that he can really, I guess, confide in or confide in his Gracie like and she's this toxic terrible person and like that scene with his dad mm. oh my god where they're just like having a couple beers on like that his dad's apartment and like the way that he grabs a cigarette probably just to feel like there's some sort of connection there like, right he doesn't smoke right I thought that scene was so I'm so glad it was there it could have easily not been there but I'm I'm glad it was yeah, that was so sad because it's like it, it for some reason the first time I saw this and I I because I went in so blind that I just really didn't know. Um, 
for some reason, when I first watched this, I had read, because in the beginning when they're having the barbecue, Gracie's friend Rhonda's there in the kitchen. And oh, it, yes. like for some reason, I thought, oh, is that Joe's mom? Is she now like, does she come over? Because then great mm-hmm. uh, she, Rhonda and Elizabeth talk later. And I was like, and, she, and Rhonda has some line of like, you know, well, my oldest has been out of the house for a while. But, you know, I know anytime I call, I call Gracie and I say, what's up? She has, you know, an answer. And I was like, Oh, do you come here to see your son? The second time I watched it, I was like, Colin, this oh, woman is this this is none of this is what you think it is. Though his mother is dead. Rhonda's yep. not old enough to be Joe's mother. Um but anyway, uh yeah, so so yeah, yeah so Joe ha- his mother is dead, his father is just smoking on a balcony. And like mm-hmm. I think the only other people he has, it seems like he's got this friend from this Facebook group that he's in that he texts yeah. with. And then, like, is kind of tap dancing with boundaries in that relationship as well. Yeah, I th- I think I, I don't know if I was just zoning out the first time I watched it, but those conversations are really interesting. I, I paid a little bit more attention to the next time around of, like, just uh, flirting with another life, flirting mm-hmm. with the possibility of moving to, I think it was Mexico, they were talking about to see the monarch butterflies or even going on a trip. Maybe not, yeah. like, but also knowing like that he's a good guy and is loyal to an extent or like this sort of that this relationship that he that he feels stuck in i guess that no one's really giving him the permission to access the emotions of what it would be like to at least to at least say out loud how he feels and not be met with like some sort of you know the anytime he brings that up to um Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting everyone's names right now. Gracie, you know, it's just met with like tears, you know, inst- like mm-hmm. or just like how he has to comfort her, like when she's weeping about those cakes. Oh, God. and he walks in and he's just like, "Fuck that scene, that scene." I was like, Julianne Moore, you goddess. That scene, crying about yeah. the cakes. God, I love her. It was so good. And then, and then when she says about like, "Oh, the actress, she's getting on my last nerve." Like, I just, <laughs> oh, it's so good. But I think, like, for Joe, it's like when you then look at that scene on the roof with Charlie with smoke when they when they smoke the joint together, and he's like, "I just can't tell if we're sharing a moment or if I'm like creating a traumatic memory for you." And like, I thought that was so deep. Of like, I yeah. just want to be a part of a special moment, not a traumatic memory. And and I and I think for him, it was like my whole fucking life is a traumatic memory. I have kids with yeah. this woman who had sex with me when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just like, yeah, he just, so like the fantasy of like, let's go see these butterflies in Mexico. Let's go run off to this other life where like, I'm a part of something beautiful, not something lurid. You know, I, I, yeah. ugh, ugh, Joe. It's so grim. That, the, the cake thing, like it's, what it, I think her name was like Joyce from Mercer. Joyce from Mercer canceled yeah. her order. Yeah. She's and like, I wasted orders. hours. <gasps> I wasted and hours then, I could have used. Yeah, no, for what? Like, yeah. what does this woman do? I feel like I don't think she has a job or I guess she makes cakes that her like ex husband pays for as like fake customers, right? Like, how, what did that conversation go? Yeah. So how I did think- that go? So what it was is like, because uh, uh, at one point, Elizabeth, I think, meets with her old lawyer. Um, and I love that scene. I just love that character. Oh, yes. Yeah. Morris. Morris, yeah. where it was like, you know, he and the family moved down from New York. And I just thought it was such a great idea of like this New York lawyer down in Savannah. And, you know, because there's also a sense of like, 
compared to Rhonda, who seemed to be very much one of the like, let's just keep her, you know, keep her happy kind of, you know, neighborhood wives. Mm -hmm. I felt like this guy was like, I'm just going to tell it to you straight. And it was such like a relief. Yeah. Um, but he says that, yeah, you know, uh, you should take a look at those orders. It's like, it's a handful of the ladies in the neighborhood, you know, placing repeat orders just to keep her busy. Yeah. That's grim too. And I, I, the, the scene after that cake monologue where she breaks down where, um, where Joe is like eating a slice of it. It looks really good. I will say it looks mm. like a, like a coconut cream cake or something and he has like a glass of milk and she's just like watching him and he's like it's, it's really good it's really good oh. she just smiles it's so and but like she smiles but you can like still see that she had been crying like i love that like that blotchiness and mm-hmm. oh I, but oh that scene was so grim because it was it was also just like so much cake and i and and you think about it, like Joe has to take on the responsibility of like making the hours she spent on this probably fine cake worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I mean, she's I mean, Gracie is a monster. Gracie is an absolute monster. And it was only the second time where I realized that Elizabeth was as well. And I was like, oh, Elizabeth is becoming Gracie. And she already kind of comes in like Gracie, because I think. One of the things I picked up, you know, certainly the first time, but like really appreciated the second time was like, oh, Elizabeth is preying on Joe in a lot of the same ways Gracie is, including things like, oh, let's just have this little secret between the two of us. She doesn't need to know that I came to visit you at work. Um, mm-hmm. Like just kind of creating, they like she's grooming him in like probably a lot yeah. of the same ways Gracie did. And it's not like she learned that from Gracie. Like she... I mean, we even see from the beginning that like Elizabeth is like having an affair with a married man already. So like, yeah, she's not worried about those boundaries. Now, tell me this, because if this is true, it probably isn't. But maybe it's just a coincidence. But I would love if it was the other reason. You know how in because this is also one of another reason why I feel Gracie's a monster is like she's really spinning the narrative like that Joe um had like a you know he his dad always worked and he had to take care of his sister who had asthma and he had to grow up really fast and i think there's like so much weight in her like saying that like yeah no shit he had to grow up fast but it's not because of that mm-hmm. and like it was hard enough before that but was it after that that natalie had that we saw elizabeth with the inhaler and the nebulizer or was like was that introduced before like did she go out and get that you know what I mean? That would have been fucked up. That would have been like some like David Lynch shit. But no, we see her using it earlier in the movie when she's okay. watching the tapes of the kids auditioning. Okay. Which I, I okay, mean, I that would that, have been crazy if that's yeah. what it was cuz that's how she lures him in, really. It's like, ugh. And it was like such a dumb reason anyway. Like I can't clip the the mouthpiece on. Like, yeah, you can. But right. you know, you you have other motives here. Right. We've seen her use it. Yeah, like it's so it's so sick. I mean, it, like, it was so sick. There was something so surreal about her, like, sitting there using the nebulizer, watching, like, 13-year-olds audition to be her lover in a TV movie. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, then she, that's what she uses to lure him in. And it's like, you think about what was, what happened between Gracie and Joe in the in the pet shop all those years ago. Oh, I just need them feed for my rabbit. Can you help me? You know what I mean? It's just like, yes. it's the same shit. And and poor Joe, it's like, 
he also at that point he sees elizabeth as a confidant he sees her as a safe space he sees her as someone he can feel comfortable with probably in the same way he felt about gracie back in the day so it was like oh my god this poor guy didn't stand a chance like long before she long before she pulled out the nebulizer you know yeah that scene is just rough because like he even like he even fucks her like a teenager. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's very mm-hmm. quick. And he's like sort of excited about it, of course. Like one, that she's a movie star, but one that like, it's just like feels like the first time you have sex and you're just like, wow, I had sex. And he lays on the couch or the bed, you know, like that was so crazy. And she's like, yeah. And then they sort of have that fight. And he's like, this is my life. You know, this isn't just like a story. And he's getting angry and she's just like well that's what that's just what it what what was like i think it was something i think i wrote it down in my notes where uh they say he says that was crazy and he even calls her gracie in that scene too which i thought was so interesting and he catches himself Mm -hmm. and he says i thought you liked me i thought we had a connection and the way that uh, elizabeth says i like you is so like nonchalant and perfect. I don't know how she even like came up with that line reading. And he says like, well, what was that about? And she just says, that's what grownups do. And he's like, okay, bye. And yeah. then she's like already on her laptop. Like, no, she's reading the the letter as soon as she, as soon as he leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She I doesn't mean, give a shit. I feel like when they have sex, it's like, I mean, it's such a great micro moment when he says, oh, let's get on the bed. You know, it's very, yeah. it's very Debbie Miller. In hysterical yeah. blindness, do you want to lay? Why don't you want to lay in your bed with me? Oh yeah, yeah. So I love that. I love a little Debbie Miller, of course. Um, but he and the way he sits there and he has that look on his face, he's just like this sort of. It, it's like he's a teenager again. He's like, wow, like just kind of starry eyed. But we then also see, yeah, like we see her just she's dropped the act. She got what she wanted, mm-hmm. you know, like she's done even like as soon as they finish having sex and he gets up to get the towel for her, she immediately rolls over and grabs the letter. Like all she wants to do is read that letter and just like get rid of him. And it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's like, yeah, we really fully see like, Oh wow. You were absolutely grooming him and using him. And it was, it wasn't just for the letter. Cause like he, she was probably going to sleep with him anyway, but I, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know. She, it's probably also that she had really sexualized him, that he was mm-hmm. someone that she knew in this story, as she says, she's always known about Joe as a sort of sexual character, you know, like yeah. that's the context. And so like, I also get like, oh yeah, you've just always had a sexual energy about him. Cause that's how all you've really ever known about him. Yeah. Ah, it's such interesting conversation and great, like, like what a great story, like scripts and like everything else. Like that, I think we could watch this movie like 16 more times and have the same amount of like conversation to really kind of dissect to. It's really awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I would just keep getting things out of this movie because it's like, it is about, it is about Elizabeth and it is about Gracie, but I also feel like it's, you know, and, and certainly is about Joe, but then, for example, then there's Georgie. Then there's like all the yes. other people who are affected by this. And I think Corey Michael Smith as Georgie, it was just like that that first scene in the restaurant, I was like, if that is his only scene in this movie, that's like, wow. Like he packed so much into that moment. Oh yeah. I laughed 
I think the first time and second time when he throws the drink in the drummer's face. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. Even though it's such like he's such a tool bag. And he's like kinda gay and kinda not. And he's just uh he's Rachel and Rachel getting Oh wait, no, yeah. no, no. No, he's not Rachel. Kim. He's Anna and Hathaway's player. Yeah. Or yeah. character, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Like he exactly. I feel like I'd love to see the two of them in a room together because it's the exact oh same thing. Um and when he tells that story about how you know, when all this happened and his brother told him and he thought it was, you know, he's just trying to upset him. And so then he went and asked his dad and his dad said it was true. And then he smashed his hand on the desk and he, you know, uh, and he and he there's a way that he says it where his voice breaks when he's telling that part of the story. Um, mm-hmm. And then, that, yeah, that idea, like I was so intrigued with that idea that it, for his birthday, one kid still came over. And they stayed up all night playing video games and eating warheads. Then he gave him a hand job, but he never saw him again. And I was like, what? Yeah. I Like, there's such a narrative in there. I know everything I need to know about Georgie. The fact that he's got that terrible blonde dye job. Like, yep. oh my God. It was, I just, I knew exactly who this was. And I thought that, what a brilliant way to show the, like, uh, the effect of this trauma. Oh, of course. And I'm, I was so glad, like you said, I like if that would have been his only scene, that would have been great. But I'm so glad we got to see him one last time to really kind of stir some shit up, because I think that's what he does best, to be honest, and really kind of turning, you know, he says, uh, has she gotten to you yet? Or has she destroyed you yet? Or whatever about about Gracie. And, um, and it is kind of near the end of uh, Elizabeth's run with the family you know she's mm-hmm. it's after the dinner and um, he drops that bomb of saying that like she has you know she has four older brothers and the two of them I guess you know he implies that there was some you know sexually like sexual what am I trying to say here sexual um, abuse yeah yeah sexual abuse that happened and and you could see it's like Elizabeth just like comes to life in a way she's like what um, and it really comes in like later. I don't want to jump to the end of the movie right now, but I, I'm glad that we got to see him one more time. And then he sort of like blackmails her a little bit of like, I want to be the music supervisor for the movie. I'm like, this isn't going to work. Kid. Oh my but, God. Uh, yeah. Nice try. I mean, yeah. And, and at first, like the first time I saw it, you know, it was like, you know, you kind of at, at the end, at the end of the movie, there's that feeling of like, I don't know. I don't know what's true. And what, cause obviously, you know, we can talk about it where, where uh, you know, then Gracie yeah. says, Oh, you know, I, I, that, that disgusting story about the brothers. I don't know why he told you that. And it's like, and she's like, Oh, he told you. She's like, Oh, I talk to Georgie every day. And it's like, mm-hmm. part of me was like, twist. Do you? But I was like, no, you probably do. Well, because like, Yes, because Georgie still like needs her attention so that he can act out in front of her. And as she kind of admits in the in the bathroom in that scene earlier in the movie to uh, Elizabeth, she's like, yeah, I'm naive. You know, Uh, I feel like there is a naivete about Gracie that like she just kind of blindly still keeps in touch with Georgie like she doesn't cut him off. And mm-hmm. I, so I do believe that I do believe that she talks to him every day and he probably did tell her, Oh yeah, I told her, you know, about, you know, I told her this, so maybe she'll give me a job on the movie. Like who knows? Like that is also then like another fascinating question is what is the relationship between Gracie and Georgie? Because like that's, yeah. that's a tangled web. Yeah. I think she, she describes him as just being like a really sensitive boy. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like all she really says about him. So I love that it doesn't, she never implies that they're really talking every day. So when she drops that bomb at graduation, I really do think it has an effect on Elizabeth. Cause she's like, fuck, I thought, cause I think Gracie even asks her, do you think you know me or something? Do you, have you got me figured out? And yeah, do you, you yeah, know, do you understand yeah. me? Yeah. Yes. And Elizabeth, you know, there's a little bit of, like she has the upper hand in the situation, or at least she feels like she does. And then she just like totally has the rug pulled out from underneath her. And the way she sort of just like fidgets with her purse and is left in the middle of that field mm-hmm. there. I love that. That could have been yeah. the ending for me. It could yeah. have been. Yeah. I, Cause with the, with the, with the music, which the drama mm-hmm. of that ending, it's so perfect. Um, and yeah, I mean like it, it, kind of that final understanding of like, yeah, I mean, Gracie, she did what she did and she and the way that she sees it is that it's a love story and she believes the story that she tells herself. She believed that these women wanted her cakes. She, you know, she yeah. believes that she, you know, did the right thing, giving her oldest daughter a scale, you know, uh, when she yeah. graduated from high school. I mean, like when she, that the scene, the, the scene with the um, trying on the dresses with Mary, when she was like, you know, I really applaud your bravery to show your arms like that. It, it seems passive aggressive and that she's like this mastermind, but she might, that she, there might be something just completely blunt about her that isn't like, she isn't secretly conniving. This is just exactly who she is, you know? Yeah. Because she doesn't feel like you said, she didn't feel throughout all of this too. And even like the Mary Kay Latorno interviews that I saw about like that, it's not word for word, but there is that interview um, where they're kind of in real life, they're kind of going at it. And she said, I think she keeps saying like, who was the boss or what was that line? Who was in charge? um, Who was in charge? And she says it like six times in a row in that interview in real life. So the way that she kept saying it, like in the bedroom scene, it's like, so manipulative and it's like it's 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 making him believe that he was the one that ultimately like chose this or caused this or went along with it like hey it's a two-way street it's not just me you know but she was the fucking adult man it's like it is but again it's like with your theory of like is she just is she terrible or is she just like this mastermind that's like three steps ahead of everyone or is she just truly blinded by the fact that she wanted to be in this relationship and felt that she was in love and felt that it was real and didn't care about the consequences. Yeah. That, and I think that scene that like who was in charge, like who was the boss um, moment. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. I mean, one reading of it is that she's going into hyperdrive of like, you know, gaslighting him into like, no, this is you, this Mm -hmm. was you, this was your responsibility or, you know, your decision. Or is this, just a woman who is like that she's not doing that because she's pulling a trick out of her like back pocket. It's, it's truly what she believes. Like this is her truth is that he was always in charge. And the idea that like he was a a little boy, you know, who couldn't make decisions. Like none of that is even in her reality. And I think, and we don't know. I think that's what's so fascinating is that we really don't know by the end whether Gracie is is a monster or like whether she is, whether she's a monster who's just like stomping through the city like Godzilla or she's like a mastermind who's plotting her executions, you know? 
Yeah, is she uh, is she Uma Thurman and Kill Bill just like like uh, three steps ahead and really like takes no prisoners, right? And I I think even from the beginning too, like when they get the box of shit on their front doorstep, like she doesn't care. She's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that happens. Like I think that's like our first sort of introduction of like how little this affects her. And of course, like at this point too, it's like 18 years later, like they, they have had time to sort of like let this settle, but it's like she says, this still happens from time to time. And um, I was it her friend, uh, what's her face, uh, Rhonda, who says like, it, or sort of implies that like things are settled now. So mm -hmm. just be kind, like don't, like we don't need this to come up again, but it's you know the movie's going to be made. Yeah, well, and, and that's a you know I think the other part of it with Gracie is like when so, for somebody to do something like this and then to serve their time in prison and then to you know kind of be back in the you know in in the real world and like to to go back to a life, it's like it. it I wonder like if the delusions have just like how they developed over the years, like essentially how does, how Gracie has to find a way to live with herself and to live with the life that she has. Cause it's not mm -hmm. like she did this and then she went to prison and now she's out and she never sees Joe anymore. She did this. She went to prison. She's out. She's married to him. They have kids. And so like, the the ways in which she has to like see the world in order to be able to function in the world with that, like, that dark reality that Joe is contending with that Joe is like feeling all the time of like, I am just a part of a, a tabloid from the nineties and a traumatic experience. Like that's all I am. And yeah. she either deals with that act by actively fleecing everybody or in a weird way, Gracie's like built for this. Like yeah. she's the right kind of fucked up to like live this life. Yeah, I think even with um, and I know we didn't talk about it. I want to talk about the scene with Tom, her ex-husband. Mm. But when um, Elizabeth goes to have that like coffee with Tom, and she comes back and says, it, and this is like so man manipulative in a way too to kind of get something out of her. But she says to Gracie, like, I can see how a marriage with him or a relationship with him would be isolating, and she's like, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> which I laughed at, but I think, I think it's the same scene where, um, Joe, or she says again with this justification that is like so outlandish in a way. She's like, well, you know, that Joe was with more women than I have, or has been with more women than I have men. He had been mm -hmm. with two girls and I'm like, that's nothing. Yeah. Like why that doesn't mean anything, but to her, even if it is like, and she had only just been with Tom, so it's like, I understand, like, when people marry their high school sweetheart, it's like, you wonder what that life could have been. And I think that drives so much of, like, that relationship and, like, being desperate to get out of it. But, like, and and, and that's what came along first. It wasn't a, a man her age. It happened to be this boy. And it's just, like, she latched on and she's not letting go. Yeah, and the fact that, like, she equates his experience of, like, fooling around with a couple girls his age back in seventh grade to like oh he's been with more women than i've been with men like it's yeah that it's, sounds nuts so it's so fucked up but like yeah in her reality it's as if charles uh, charles as if joe is 
just another man that she met and that was his sexual experience and and the way that she immediately justifies like well you know he had to grow up fast and um it's just like it is all the hallmarks of like uh, you know of a predator of just, and of her this is the narrative that she's not so much telling elizabeth has been telling herself you know and has been yeah. believing herself of like no it's okay joe is different yeah, I think that's also a line from like Notes on a Scandal. I think like Hugh, um, oh, what's his name? Hugh? No, Hugh, uh, her husband, uh, Bill Nye. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hugh Nye, when he says like he was fucking 15 and he's like, well, he'll be 16 in May or something. Or like, right. but he was really, it's like you, you look for any sort of justification, even though you know it's wrong. I think that like Sheba Hart had more of like, she could see that side, whereas Gracie did not. She was just like, no, it's love. And look at this card. You know, um, I, it was almost my intro line. The assignment was, what is peace? Oh, <laughs> with that card? Yeah. Like, peace is like a Coca-Cola. Peace is like a sunset with you. And it looks like it's to see that card and to see like the level of like, holy shit, this, 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 is, this is a card from a 13 year old. It's like, it's not really like, nice you know it's like kind of crooked letters and like you know it's the best it could be and i'm just like whoa yeah yeah right to look at that and to see that as a love letter and not as like a thing a kid made that you put on the refrigerator for a couple of days like yes it's just it's incredible and i mean and, and there's so much about like how when she uses the lisp when she puts on the lisp and and the the sort of infantilizing that that does. And, and as you said, like when he confronts her, she starts crying, you know? And so it's like, mm -hmm. there's also that of like, she's got her own like fucked up age play going on with herself where like, and, and it implies that like, Oh, something definitely happened to you when you were a kid. And so it does kind of feel like, wait a minute, maybe she was abused by her brothers and her saying to Elizabeth at the end, oh, I hope you didn't believe that story, is just her covering up, you know, the truth. Yeah. And we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, that line where she's like, insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? She's like, I'm secure. Make I'm sure secure. you put that in there. I'm secure. Yeah. Make sure in the, in, in those amazing red sunglasses. I yes. mean, it's just, and but it's like, there is something about that of like her needing to say like, Oh, insecure people I'm secure. It's, it's something that either somebody, you don't have to say that if you're actually secure, you know? Yes, exactly. But, yes. But also it's like, or is this just the kind of blunt weird way that Gracie is like, it makes you wonder, you know, are, are there other like personality disorder things going on with Gracie that's actually informing this? And she just has no, she either has no filter or a very strange filter. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it before too, like the way that she monitors Joe, like um, I think it tells us everything we need to know about her almost initially when she's like, that's number two, when he's going to get a second mm -hmm. beer. I'm like, oh God. And just all the ways that she kind of, I don't want to say orders him around, but it is in a way. And I know sometimes that's kind of a dynamic between like a man and wife too. Cause it's, you know, it's like the man's just like derpy and doesn't know how to do things and sometimes needs to be told how to do it. But it's different in this situation. It's like, there's so much more texture there by like moving your bugs or like, can you go pick up some takeout food or 
I, I, it's, I, I hate how she treats him going back to what we were saying before too. And I, I was thinking, I was thinking about one other thing about Charles Melton. Oh, one of my favorite scenes with him is the end is that graduation scene mm. where he's not sitting with them. And I think she kind of Gracie kind of looks for Joe, but I love the choice of him kind of standing behind a little fence there and just like laugh crying i think that's the moment he wanted for me like i just thought that was so genius to stage it that way i guess and yeah to watch those emotions and what like it's it's just like this release for him and he's by himself Ugh. yeah and it really it like makes you wonder especially it's like okay these kids that he had with this woman they're now graduating high school like they're now going to be you know taking care of themselves and it's like you want to believe like, oh, maybe Joe sees this as like an opportunity to be free. Cause I feel like in the past he's like, oh, I could never leave Gracie because of the kids. But like, I want to believe, and and there's no way to know this, but I want to believe that that was like Joe realizing like, oh my God, I could be free. Like I could, I could I'm going to Mexico, you know? Yeah. He has the empty nest. Like he says, yeah. it's like, he talks about it with his dad, but I think it's really Elizabeth is the only one who kind of says before in that scene, uh, with a nebulizer right before they sleep together is like, you're, you're so young. You mm -hmm. have so much life to give or you know, not life to give, but life to live. And I don't think anyone's ever told him that because the only person who could say that I guess would be Elizabeth, but or not, uh, or would be Gracie. But why would Gracie say that she's got him right where she wants him? Yeah. Also that moment when, when Elizabeth says you're so young, it's like, at first, I was yeah, like, oh, so this is there. so sick. You are fully Gracie right now. Like, it that gave me the heebie-jeebies. I mean, I think one of the great lines of this movie is her on the phone with the director or whatever being like, how these kids, yeah, they're cute, but, like, they're not sexy, you know? Like, yes! Uh, but it's it? true, like, when I yeah. was... Go ahead, go ahead. No, just that idea when she's like, yeah, like, she's like, she gets, she quote-unquote gets it. She's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you look at him and he's like, he's got... You know, he's got something to him. And it's like, Elizabeth, we're talking about a 13-year-old here. You know, you're losing the plot. Yeah, I mean, I I know what she's talking about because knowing Joe, it's like, I, I can't remember how she describes him, but like a quiet confidence maybe, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, you, But as a viewer watching the movie, you're like, wow, these are what 13-year-old kids actually look like. But right. I think it's that who they finally go with when they're filming that last scene is kind of perfect. And it's the same thing with notes on a scandal. I think that was also cast perfectly. Like granted he's 15, but like he does have this sort of like bravado and sort of like confidence of a much older man that I would imagine Sheba sort of allowed herself to, you know, that that's permission in a way in some sick way, like that she could get away with this or, or try this out. Yeah. Like that idea that if he, if he feel like, she as an adult is interpreting him as being able to make adult decisions, but it's like, yes, you know, it's, 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 it's such cognitive dissonance. And I feel like what we end up seeing at the end of the movie is like, yes, chances are they have cast someone older than 13. Like that kid was probably much like a notes in the scandal is probably 18. And so yeah. I feel like what that ends up doing is like, it just perpetuates the way that people, so many people see this and believe this of like, oh, but look at him. He's so big for his age or whatnot. And I think the problem with the auditions with the kids who were actually 13 was that they were actually 13 and it was too real. 
you know, and it was like too, the fucked upness of it became too apparent. So they just did what every other movie does and what Mary Lee Kay Letourneau did and what Gracie does of like, oh no, we'll just, we'll just quote unquote cast him with an older person. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's gross to think about it. And even the second time watching that again, I'm just like, uh, but it's, it's kind of necessary. It's, it's just what it is i guess you know as laura dern once said in marriage story and that's just the way it is (laughs) give her the oscar give her the oscar i want to i want to talk about i mentioned it very briefly but um tom um played by dw moffat who looks so familiar i think he just looks like every handsome dad you know i don't know where i've seen him he was hot uh... I'll, yeah. I'll give a goosey gander because yeah, I he felt very familiar, but I don't know why. But... And he seems like yeah, and I I totally love him in a way. Like I feel like it's you know the way he says, "Hey Carla, that's my dental hygienist." You know, like he seems like a mm-hmm. good guy and maybe like a plain guy because the conversation that Elizabeth has with him is like perfectly nice and and maybe you know like i said before like how she goes back to gracie and says i could see how our relationship with him would be isolating like whether or not elizabeth agrees with that like i maybe it's just her trying to get something out of gracie but um i i loved that little scene again it's like these scenes with you know uh joe's dad and even with like the lawyer uh morris and tom and now we have tom it's like i think these are all sort of integral to the uh to the plot of just kind of, I guess, doing the research, I guess, and the way that Tom like fidgets with his phone a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a really lovely scene. Yeah, I I thought he was great. I And I feel like everybody is, and we're all kind of meeting these people the way Elizabeth is as like some kind of evidence, something to like understand yeah. the situation. And I think with Tom, I, I what probably stands out the most is that like, he seems like a perfectly normal guy. Yeah. He seems like a a nice guy. I mean, like he's still, you know, close with all his other kids and like, you know, obviously, you know, has friends in the neighborhood. Like it's not as if we're not getting the impression that Gracie was in some awful marriage, you know, not that that justifies anything, but like as some kind of like, okay, what made her want to stray? It's like, Oh, this guy seemed like he was fine. And they had a bunch of kids and, um, you know, it, 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 it's like whatever happened had nothing to do with Tom in a way. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's like, we didn't talk about it earlier too, but it, it kind of ties into Tom when they have that, um, the graduation dinner or whatever. And like Tom and everyone else like come in and to me, I'd be mortified. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would never want to see anyone ever again. I'd move out of the country. But the way that Gracie navigates that is so fascinating how she's just like, hey, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, isn't this crazy? And like, here's, you know, oh, we're just having lunch, you know, and like everyone else is kind of feeling that to some extent, except Gracie, which I think also speaks volumes to just of like how she is just in her own different world. Yeah, because it's like you you wonder it's like or is she like just putting on like a really good front? And it's like I think that's the thing I don't know about Gracie. That's the whole idea is that whole act that she has in front of everybody at the restaurant. Either she is putting on a front or she is just kind of yeah, this is just who she is. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of like yeah, I guess to do what she did and be who she is and to kind of maintain this life, it's like. 
if it was all an act, she would get tired of it eventually, or it would slip more, you know? And I think that's the thing is like, if it's all an act, it's incredible how it never really slips. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and I love that. I just, I have no idea. And, and it, some of it could be an act. Some of it could be real. Um, same with Elizabeth. When Elizabeth says like, I could see how being in a marriage with him could be very isolating that. Yeah. That could just be another way of her trying to ingratiate herself to Gracie. Yeah. I think that's, I think you're on to something there is like when you see her crack, cause really, and like, I guess if we're just, uh, defining that as like when do we see Gracie cry? There's only like those two moments is when still smoky, still smoky, still smoky, and, <laughs> still smoky, <laughs> and um, I guess the like the fight that she has and the cake, like yeah. the fight being the um, you know, if we are love, we're if we're in much like if we're in love as we say we are or whatever. Um, yeah, if Joe we're as in love as her, we say we are, yeah. Yeah, but to me, that feels fake. That just feels like a weaponized sort of like she just repeats that line three times and walks out like because mm -hmm. she knows that she's caught. She doesn't want to deal with this. She doesn't want to have those conversations. And even the way her like where she's like, well, I'm not going to cross examine you. Tell me what's wrong. Like her, like, I don't think we've heard that voice before, you know, right. kind of dropping that veil a little bit. Um, but and of course, it's not about the cakes. It's not about the cakes. It's mm -hmm. about like just her what's her purpose now or like and i guess what was the third thing i said is um oh man what was oh the smoke what do you mm -hmm. think the smoke is about what's she crying about there that's that, very early on that was so strange and i wonder if it was just like she's she was nervous about elizabeth being there and kind of like the idea of like opening up that part of her life again like i wondered if it was Maybe. that but it it's such a weird moment because she's crying and it's not like he's asking her what's wrong he's just like it's okay it'll be fine and then they start having sex so it's like yeah it's the fact that like and then suddenly she's in the mood like i don't know i don't if i'm crying and going still smoky like i don't really like want to have sex <laughs> Yeah, there's something going on there. Or like, or, or tell me, yeah, he doesn't ask that. And I don't think that he, I mean, he does ask when the cakes happen, but like, I don't think he's, he is used to like managing her emotions, like pretty much 24 seven. But for some reason, I guess he was just like horny and didn't care because he like, he didn't go take a shower. I think he like dumps water on himself and kind of like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's so strange. And then she's just like, all right, cool. <laughs> I don't know. It's so, I mean, yeah, that, and that to me was also like, oh, like the, an early indication of like, oh my God, this woman is unhinged. Like yeah. this, whatever this is. And, and at this point, like she's got him trained. He's just reacting, reacting, reacting. And so mm -hmm. like, I think if, if she's crying and wants to be held, okay, I'm holding you. Oh, now you want to be kissing. Okay. Now I'm kissing you. Oh, you know, you want to have sex. Okay. I'll have sex with you. Like, I, I think he is just, I would imagine, I mean, Gracie feels like someone that even watching this movie, I felt like I was walking on eggshells around her just watching this. And so yeah. like, I would imagine Joe is just like constantly walking on eggshells and, and you really see it in that confrontation where like when he wants to talk about his feelings, it's as if he can't even get the words out. He's oh, like, yeah. his body is like not letting him say like, how come we can't talk about this if we're so in love? Yes. He's like sputtering it out. It's like he needs to say it and he's sitting in the corner of the room. I would like scream if that, if Keon was like sitting in a chair oh, yeah, in the corner of the room yeah. and I woke up, it'd be like, Wah. Yeah, You're lucky I, I'm I, not jumpy. 
Yes, I know. I'm like, Jesus. I, I mean, I know we mentioned this briefly, but I, I do think it's it's worth mentioning the score in this movie because it's really just like this stripped down, like, it just sounds like piano and like some strings, but mm-hmm. it's so effective, so kooky and weird. Again, we mentioned the hot dog scene and like there are these sort of, it, it does feel like, um, and maybe you could speak more to this, but it, to me, it feels like a horror movie, like these sort of like chung chung moments. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it, it feel it it has the feeling of like a, a TV movie thriller. Um, I think the score is a take on. There's a movie I just saw read about this, or I saw a little video, or I was watching a video on YouTube about Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore, and, mm-hmm. and she talked about how the score is like a take on the score from this movie from the '70s called The Go Betweeners. And the only reason I really know about that movie is because. Uh, Margaret Layton was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that movie the same year as Barbara Harris in Who is Harry Kellerman and Why Is He Saying Those Terrible Things About Me. So there you go. That's what I know. Uh, so I don't really know that score. I just kind of know that that little piece of trivia. But um, but yeah, but to me, like, yeah, it reads as, um, yeah, like, a, like it would be like, I don't know, an erotic thriller on Showtime in the 90s, you know? Yeah, and it kind of lingers a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. just like those quick chung chungs. And I think maybe that's it. And maybe I didn't realize it too. But like it does. I think that's probably why the hot dog moment exists. Is it's like it's establishing that this is sort of like a. It's not a lifetime original movie, but it it, it has hints of that. And I think that's probably the the, the strongest example of it. Because the rest of it, I feel like they arrive when they should. But the hot dogs mm-hmm. is just like the first. I just want to know everything about that line. I want to know what's happening there. <laughs> it's, yeah, I just want to know, like, all of the creative decisions there. Well, and I think that, like, you know, people have talked about that, like, oh, it, you know, it's all like a version of a Lifetime movie. And it's like, you're right. There's That moment is the strongest moment of that. But otherwise, throughout the movie, I don't think, like, it watch. Fits. yeah. Like, because I, I think when when I think of that, it makes me think of that show with Kristen Bell on netflix like the woman in the house in the window at the end of the street or whatever oh yes 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 like it's not like this is doing that for lifetime movies like that would be too easy i feel like there's a scoop of that in here but even the way that like far from heaven is designed to be like a douglas sirk you know 1950s melodrama i think that Mm -hmm. is way more of a direct connection than like lifetime movies in may december i think it's just like a yeah it's just like a little bit of sprinkle you know for sure yeah i i also love that we just did carol so recently too so i mean Mm. todd haynes he's your man colin oh i just love him oh my (laughs) god well we should do far from heaven at some point because of course that would be great celia weston's in it uh i i think i've only seen it once and i don't remember any of it same. And it's such a beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. Patricia Clarkson's supposed to be great in it. So, uh, and naturally, and more. Let me tell you something. That woman is incredible. Jesus. Yeah. I. With that being said, you know, I I said at the beginning that Natalie Portman is kind of, at least this time around, a standout. It's like there's so much that Julianne Moore is doing that it sh- we have to give her flowers as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like from the BSA lens, because I guess that's really the question. I feel like. To me, I, I, and I feel like Julianne Moore has been falling in the best supporting actress category with the awards, I think. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I would think of Natalie Portman as like the lead actress. 
Yeah, it it feels very much almost like Carol again too. It's yeah. like whose story is this? Like uh I don't That's know. true. I feel like Elizabeth is kind of like uh, Therese. What was that her name? Mm-hmm. Um, Therese, and, yeah. and Gracie's like Carol, where it's like Elizabeth and Therese probably have more screen time, but like who's the like who's the beating heart of the movie? You know, like who's the you know uh, who's it really about? Is Gracie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. But I just feel like. She's not gonna. I feel like Julianne Moore is not gonna be nominated for yeah, lead I actress. I feel like that's such a or supporting. Really, it's like it feels like there's like that's already kind of a lock for like it's it's stiff competition for the ladies this this year. And you know we'll talk about it in the after show because it's all it's super exciting and also super sad because there's also there's just these great performances that I wish we could give more than one Oscar, but you know it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Well, you know Julianne Moore. I, I feel like, especially for like a movie like this, it's like I, yeah, I want her to get recognized, but I just, I just am grateful that it exists and that it's gotten such good press and that people are yeah. are loving this movie and I I want good things for Charles Melton. So I feel like, um, you know, given a lot of there's a lot of new people like new folks, you know, first time nominees, whatnot, who might be in the yeah. category. I think like I would much rather see, uh, you know, a Daniel Brooks in there. Julianne Moore is, mm-hmm. she's got time. She's so young, you know? <laughs> You're so young. You're so young. Uh, You're not young. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, there's the edit. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Put that on TikTok. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think we have enough hot dogs. And in, coincidentally, we are being played chunk, off. Junk, junk. Yes. Um, yes. We are being played off. Uh, but that's fine because we have a huge after show to catch up on. We've Dude. got, uh, you know, receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, fucking everything to prove that you are a Good fucking Lord. bully and a fucking t- troll. But first things first, <laughs> where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on All Right Mary. We are currently covering season 16 of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's back. It's, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, it's it's a good one so far. Um, And then, of course, you can find me on Instagram at ColinTrucker underscore. And you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSAPod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And keep her peepers peeled because... (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> Perfect. Precisely. Precisely. Um, Precisely. I don't think we have enough peepers, but we, yes. uh, because we have the best supporting after show, we do have the best supporting after show coming. Uh, it comes out every week. It's a whole bonus episode on top of what you're getting right now, and you get early ac- access to episodes just like this. This is a great week and a great time to join us in the after show because we are indeed going to talk about that Real House of Salt Lake City finale, even though by the time this episode comes out, the reunion will have begun, but that finale will never be old news. It won't. I mean, we got the Golden Globes. We've, we've both watched some movies that are nominated for Golden Globes and definitely Oscars. We have some performances to talk about. Now is the time to sign up, folks. Yeah, it's all happening. And that's all at yes. patreon.com slash Pod. Get on over there, folks. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to get two pre-owned least to editor cells named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of Stepford. Sounds good to me. Good. Well, then that, as they say, is that. Is that.